This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That's me. I am part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm here at Vox Media headquarters in New York City. In a couple days, I'm going to be at Huntington Beach for the Code Media Conference, February 12th and 13th. You probably bought your ticket. If you haven't bought your ticket, it may be too late, but you can still check by going to recode.net. It's going to be a great event. If you are not there in person, we will tell you about it later. Uh, It's like this podcast, only live. That is the future. Today is the present. I am here in New York City with Mitch Lowe, CEO of Movie Pass. Before Mitch introduces himself, I'm going to share a reader email from Colin. I don't know if Colin wanted to use his last name, so we'll go with Colin for now. Um, He has a guest request. I'd love to hear your talk with Mitch Lowe, the Movie Pass CEO. That's such a weird business that I don't understand. And you're good at probing people who have weird business models. (laughs) Mitch Lowe, welcome to the show. Let's talk <laughs> about your you. weird business model. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's actually pretty simple. It's not. Uh, I don't find it weird. People are fascinated with your company, by the way. It's you know it is it's um, it's not actually it's very cool. You know, I um, I love movies. I I kind of grew up as a latchkey kid. Uh, my brother and I bought our first beta uh, player. It was so heavy, like it took two of us to carry it. So for me, what's like really, really exciting is how people are actually going back to uh, the movie theater when many people said it was on the way out. Well, describe what MoviePass is. There you have yeah. a million and a half subscribers, so a million and a half people know what it is. For those yeah. who haven't got a subscription, it's 10 bucks a month mm-hmm. it's, or 90 bucks a year? It's uh, 9.95 a month. Uh, from time to time, we'll run specials for for annual programs. Uh, But essentially, it's like Netflix for the movie theater. You pay one flat fee, that's $9.95, and you can go to about 91% of the movie theaters across the country and go to essentially a movie a day. You can see up to 30, some 28, 29, 30, 31. Yeah, exactly. And movies, and a, movies a month, one uh-huh. movie a day for 10 bucks per month. That's right. And I know it seems like too good to be true, uh, but uh, the way it works is we you download our app onto your phone. So you do need a smartphone. You do need a unique email address per account. If you're listening to this podcast, you have these things. Yes. And then we send you a, a MasterCard debit card in the mail with your name on it. And you check into the you – know, so you decide you want to go to a movie. You find the movie. You find the theater. You find the showtime you want to go to. Then when you get within 100 yards of the movie theater, you check in, and magically that credit card works at that theater for about 30 minutes. And I buy a ticket And you there. buy a ticket. You just walk up and say, you know, I want the 7 o'clock uh, showing to Ladybird, And they print out a ticket, and you walk in. The beauty of it is we're paying the bill on that credit card. So that's how we pay. So this is a company that I've heard about for years. I would get an email from some PR person telling me about a company called MoviePass for mm-hmm. five or six years. And I looked at it and ignored it because it didn't make much sense. It was yeah. I don't know, 40 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. It was sort of aimed at indie film people. Um, you are not the founder of the company. You're the CEO. Um, we could talk about the history, but you've, yeah. you came in in the last year or so, right? Yeah, I came in about a year and a half ago. And you're right. The The product had been focused on the heavy moviegoer. Uh, about 11% of people in the country go to 18 films a year, and that's how it was priced. This was aimed at them. You're saying yeah. there's another group of people who go to movies not that often. Right. We think this is a great product for them. And to be uh-huh. clear, in New York City, average movie ticket price is, I don't know, 15 bucks. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. crazily expensive. Yeah, just 
just one movie and you've you've saved uh, money. Right. So that's the too good to be true part. And even yeah. the rest of the country, an average ticket's what nine bucks? Uh, no, the average price uh, across the country is eight dollars and seventy three cents. Almost nine. dollars So almost nine dollars. So so there, if you if if you go to more than one movie a month, you're mm-hmm. you're you're ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. So I can see why consumers would like this. You guys yep. launched this this version of it last summer. It's taken mm-hmm. off really quickly because again, it's basically going to movies for free. Yep. Sounds too good to be true, and there's some mm-hmm. caveats now that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, this does not sound like a great business model for you guys. It seems like this is like a Cosmo.com uh, business plan mm-hmm. where you lose money every time guys. a consumer <laughs> every time a consumer uses your right, service. Right. So, so what um, you know, there are actually dozens and dozens of businesses like ours uh, that invest in building a large subscriber base, uh, and whether it's Netflix, who you know that buys eight billion dollars of content a year, and believe me, they have to borrow the money to do it, or um, companies like Facebook, where it's free, but they're monetizing all the advertising and all the data about you, right? And that's exactly what. There's well, lots of money losing internet companies and other mm-hmm. startups, right? Yeah. And by the way, you're an, you're an early Netflix employee. You then worked at Redbox, so I want to yeah. talk about those things as well. Yeah. But those companies all – the theory is you, you invest in capital, you invest in marketing. At some point, the business starts spinning, has enough momentum, enough pricing power that, yeah. that as, you add, as you add users, you're not adding costs. And right. now you're magically making billions of dollars. Yeah. Well, but the, we just walk through a system where every time someone uses your business, you lose money. Well, I think that's um, – you know, I think everybody believes that all of our subscribers are going to gobs and gobs of movies, and which is really what they do do in the first couple months they join. And it's it's kind of like I, I kind of liken our customers' behavior. There's kind of two trends. One of them is like a if you went to a buffet breakfast every single morning, you know, for two or three weeks. The first couple days, you know, you're, you're, the waffles and you're the piling up. By the third or fourth day, you're kind of down to a normal uh, usage. And that's exactly how our customers, they start out, they go to a bunch of movies, they slowly edge down. But here's the trick. Um, 89% of the American moviegoers only go to four or five movies a year. When they join MoviePass, they double their consumption and go to about 10 a year. That's a little bit less than one a month. They balance out the 11% of the population that go 18 times before joining MoviePass and then after go three times a month. So it works out over time. It actually works out to be about one movie per month per subscriber. Um, now, some people you know, do go to 10, 15. We even have one guy who on his 40th birthday challenged himself to go to 40 movies in 40 days. So we do have people with a fair amount of time on who their hands. Who won that challenge? Who, uh, uh, I don't think he's gotten to the 40th. Day yet, yeah, so still work it, he's still working on it. So it's a little bit of the gym model, then, right? Where it's, where you're not expecting me to show up as often as I've paid for the service. Well, the yeah, the gym model. You know, the only reason I don't like that comparison is the gym model is you join in January, you pay for a year, and then you go in by February. You're not going at all, so you're not getting any. And by value. the way, you you finance this thing, and and they really don't expect you to show yeah. up at all. You're, you think you're you have modeled it out so your business works if I come once a, once a month. Yeah, we kind of you. You know, our goal is to get to break even uh, with the subscription and the cost of goods. But then, you know, we have all these different ways that we make uh, your life better as a, as a customer. Uh, we know how to market.
market films to you. You know, the studios are in, incredibly inefficient the way they market small films. And so we're able, you know, today we're buying, uh, over the last three weeks, uh, we bought, um, you know, one in every 19 movie tickets in the country. But when we promote a film, we're buying one in 10. So we're lifting, but these are for sub $50 million box office films. So the studios are paying us uh, to be a more efficient marketer of what's, films. What's an example of a movie that the studios have, have paid you to promote? There, I could uh, list a bunch of them. Maze Runner is one over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Lady Bird, I, Tanya, um, you know, almost every film. So these are real movies produced by real <clears throat> studios, and they're saying, hey, Movie Pass, we'd like you to promote this to our customers. Um, when I get, when someone, when you want to promote Lady Bird to uh -huh. me, are you giving me a discount to go? Or are you just saying, here's a movie you might like? Remember, it's free to our customers. That's right. why, you know, we're not marketing. But are you genius. incenting me in some way to, 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 to go see Lady Bird? Or are you just saying, hey, it's, we're, check it out. Yeah. The, our, our subscribers are um, looking for a way, you know, movies to go to, and they're very um, open to suggestions. And so when we say we'll send out an email, we'll highlight the title in our app, so it's at the top of our app, we'll promote it in social media, and our subscribers will go, you know, I was really kind of thinking of going to that movie, but in the past I would have put it off and waited for it to come out on Netflix or HBO or Hulu or something like that. And now because there's no incremental cost to them, uh, they take our suggestions and go to the movies. So we go from, you know, 3 to 5% market share to over 10%. But it's, it's just you saying, check it out. It's, yeah, it's you're no— not, You're not rewarding me for going. You're not giving no, me free popcorn. No, there, there are— things that we are doing that are uh, kind of separate from that, but uh, and the, those are, you know, private screenings and advanced screenings for our, our subscribers, but that's a little bit of a different... You um, launched last summer, you're at a million and a half subs now, are you where you thought you would be? Nine months into it, six months into it? <laughs> Way beyond. You know, when we when we sold half of the company to a data analytics company, in the contract we uh, uh, put in a clause where we would get a $2 million bonus if we hit 150,000 subscribers in 18 months. And that's what I, I thought, okay, that gives me about three or four months of padding. I thought maybe it'd take us a year, and we got there in two days. So, uh, you know, it, this is way beyond uh, my expectations. And again, I mean, especially if you're in New York or L.A., this just seems like, well, obviously this would work for as long as it's going to work because it is too mm -hmm. good to be true. But if you're yeah. going to basically let me see movies for free, mm -hmm. of course I'm going to do it. It's it a reminds me, We were talking before. So this is like Groupon. Yeah. Right? Where, of course, you're going to go take the, the two-for-one deal for, for one. Yeah. Um, but also it doesn't seem sustainable. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, if, if you think that um, there's not enough money to support the growth, then yes, you would, you would think so. But um, most people didn't think we'd make it this far. And, you know, remember, if we're buying, you know, one in every 19 movie tickets uh, and it's an $11 billion business, you can kind of calculate, you know, that's a lot of money. Um, so we have been incredibly well-funded. We have a backer uh, that is prepared to go all the way to um, uh, uh, get us to the cash flow positive, which isn't, you know, all that far in the future. How, how big do you need to be for this to be a, a viable business? I think by the end of this year, you know, we'll be big enough to where there's, you know, it's really about getting enough customers who are beyond their fourth or fifth month 
and uh, and getting more uh, subscribers in the lower cost markets in the Omahas and Kansas cities of the world. And remember, to date, we've never done advertising. So in the next couple of weeks, you know, we'll begin advertising. That million and a half subscribers, that's just people telling each Not, other on Facebook or wherever, hey, there's this deal. It yeah. sounds unbelievable. <clears throat> yeah, and it's way beyond a million and a half. But uh, the yes, it's like no advertising. We've spent 11000 here and there on social media, on Facebook, you know, various tests like that, but no advertising. Do this you want to share an updated subscriber number for well beyond a million and a half? No, I think we'll, we'll that do that soon. Release. But uh, yeah. So we've sort of gone through some of the big questions I've got about your business. Like, mm-hmm. is it for a real business? Right. Yes. Are you making money? No. no. Uh, other big question: What are the what do the big theater? What do the theater chains think mm-hmm. about this? And it sounds like I'll, I'll tee you up here. There's two groups. Mm-hmm. There's the mm-hmm. small indie movie theaters, and there's three big theater chains, and they have mm-hmm. very different views about you. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. There's uh, I like to look at it as there's three groups. Uh, there is the um, the top three, like you mentioned. Uh, there is a mid tier group, you know, that uh, is Marcus Theaters, you know, with eight hundred um, uh, screens and you know a bunch of fifty uh, theater chains. The big three are AMC, Cinemark. Uh, and Regal. Regal. And then there's a bunch of mid-side chains, and then there's all these independents. And the independents and the mid-size chains understand that um, we, in some ways, are uh, one of the salvations for the industry. Overall, movie attendance drops sort of year after year. Sometimes the box office goes up because the ticket prices are going up. Yeah. But fewer people go to the movies each year for generally – yeah. trend line for reasons that if you've listened to this podcast before, you mm-hmm. have a sense of. Yeah, there's been a, a single-digit uh, percentage uh, decline. There's been a year or two over the last 10 years where there's been a slight uptick in last ticket sales. Down 6%, I think. Uh, no, actually, well, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't remember. It's, it's, it, let's say it's flat to slight declining uh-huh. year over year. And the, the uh, theaters, their solution is to continue to slightly increase the price, 25 cents a year, 40 cents a year. And, and so over the last 18 years, the prices have almost doubled. And, you know, that's a dead end. Um, so the independents who are uh, today fighting for market share, you know, they pretty much have the same product as the big guys uh, today. And uh, they see us as a great way to help them compete. You are pitching yourselves to them as marketing partners. Mm-hmm. Because when someone joins uh, MoviePass, they use the, uh, that doubling of their frequency to see the smaller films. And so that's good for art house theaters. That's good for independent theaters. So I'm going to go see Star Wars regardless. Yeah. I've joined MoviePass. I'm going to find time for... Right. For Ladybird. Yeah, we don't change your behavior for Marvel films or Star Wars or any of those things. We we get you to see Ladybird, uh, where you would have put off uh, seeing it until it came out on on one of the streaming services. So the small, the independents and the mid mid size. Uh, theaters are very supportive um, do you, and do you, want to do work you do with us. Rev share deals with them? Is it, we do getting a cut of the popcorn. Yeah, we do a, a, a whole bunch of different things, but the primary is a, a, a kind of a lower uh, price. It's pretty much like the bulk sales they do when you if you come up to any theater and you say I want uh, ten tickets, they'll typically give you twenty percent or twenty five percent discount. Even you go to Costco, you can buy booklets of AMC tickets and Cinemark, et cetera, and get the tickets for 25% off. So if I went to a local chain 
possibility that, you, I'm, that you're not paying full freight for that ticket. That's right. So for our partner theaters, and it's a growing list uh, of theaters, uh, we are getting some form of a discount that varies, could be uh, based on the time of day or the day of the week. They want to incentivize us to drive traffic to their empty seat times. And I'm sure you're going to AMC and Cinemark and Regal saying, same thing, we're going to help you bring people in, they're mm-hmm. going to see the Marvel movies anyway, but we can we can fill seats the rest of the time. Yeah. And they have a resounding no. Yeah, they are, um, you know, no one really, you know, if you think back when uh, Orbitz and Travelocity Expedia uh, were founded, uh, the airlines and the hotels, you know, wish they didn't exist. They want that one-to-one relationship with customers. And that's exactly the way the big uh, theaters look at us. They go, geez, you know, uh, we want that one-to-one relationship. We don't want Even a middle they man. don't have it now. It's not like you're, you're coming between me and my Cinemark. <laughs> subscription, right? I right. just go to a random theater. I don't care what the theater ex- is. Ex- and that's exactly why we succeed and why subscribers really like the idea of a service where I can see what's going on at Cinemark, I can see what's going on at AMC or an independent and use any of them. It's I'm in control and, and uh, you know, it's, it's me that decides where I go. So AMC, Cinemark, Regal Camp, block you from doing what you're doing because you're paying them cash for a ticket, right? Yeah, and yeah. then basically reselling it to me yeah, effectively. We're, yeah, we're, we're paying them full price. Uh, they're actually uh, thrilled. You know, they, they went from uh, being angry and wanting to stop us, at least AMC. Uh, the day we launched, uh, they said we were a fringe player and that we would never succeed and that um, kind of the subtext to that is, uh, dear customer, you should continue to pay higher prices because these guys over here, you know, are trying to do an unsustainable model. So I can see why they would not want you to be inserted between them and their customer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that they all have plans to launch their own subscription service. But again, I can't see those working for the same reason that I don't I subscribe to Spotify mm-hmm. and not Universal Music Group service. Exactly. Right? I don't care what the label is. I want the music. Yeah. But um, they're not your pals, right? They're still you guys are still beefing, and then there was something happened in the last couple of weeks where you pulled out of some of the the more trafficked AMC theaters. Well, uh, not necessarily the the more trafficked ones. Uh, we're in roughly 660 AMCs. You Our, pulled out of 10. Yeah, we pulled out of 10, a, a small fraction of them. Uh, what we what we started doing is uh, kind of assessing where we spend our money and. We bought a million tickets in the last 30 days at AMC theaters across the country. Uh, that's like $10, $11 million uh, we paid them for tickets. We also, our subscribers say that they spent on average $12 every time they went to an AMC, which is more than double uh, their average of $4.88. So another $12 million in concessions that are at 85% margin. But this is you, just to be clear, because there was some confusion about who did what, but this is you actively saying we're not going to support these 10 theaters, and these aren't right. 10 theaters in Omaha, right? No, these are all, they're all over the country, but, but there's some in New York and L.A. and big Chicago. Ones, right? like, yeah, they're, they're the bigger, you know, AMC tends to have bigger theaters. Right, they're, they're Times Square in New York, yeah. Union Square. Can I go to, so 
first of all, is, is to be clear, is this is the idea here that you're going to show AMC how much pricing power you have and yeah. what they're missing out? I think the you know the idea was that um, you know we want to work with them. We our customers want to go to their locations, but what we wanted to understand is how can we um, still give a great uh, uh, kind of opportunity or accessibility to our subscribers and and still and and at the same time uh, demonstrate to AMC that really they should be our partner and so we identified locations and there's many more than these 10 that have plenty of competition around them so those 10 were selected primarily because they had a Regal or a Cinemark or independence so you or both. Ten in big high traffic areas where you could say sorry you can't go to the Times what's what's one of the ones in New York that you can't go to? I think 42nd Street. 40 so, you can't, so you can't go see Paddington. I try to buy a ticket to go see Paddington too, uh-huh. which I've already paid for. Yep, um, it's not bad. Uh, at Times Square, and you send them a message saying, "Sorry, doesn't work there, but you can go down the street." Yeah, well, you know, we we have not sent messages to our subscribers, but our subscribers can see the theaters. The theater that are just available. is grayed out or doesn't show up. Yeah, so uh, we launched that, I believe, on a Thursday. And over the weekend, we looked to see, you know, did our did those customers who typically would go to AMC, did they find another theater to go to? And almost every one of them found a other the- another theater so, so to watch the movie. So this is a way for a, for a small startup that has very little power mm-hmm. to sort of leverage whatever power you do have and make, and make a point. Well, you know, the if I can walk you through some amazing numbers, but if you look at their forecast for um, for operating margin for Q1 of this year, uh, which analysts say will be down about 10% compared to Q1 of last year. Last year— This is AMC you're talking this about. This is AMC. So last year they reported $55 million in Q1 operating profit. And uh, if you use our numbers for concession purchases and uh, our numbers for the tickets we bought, which are, you know, we know that number, our, our uh, concessions is a self-reported, as our customers telling us, and you use the margins that uh, AMC reports in their earnings, we represented over 30, I think it was 34 or $35 million in Q1 of operating margin for them. 62% of their total comp, uh, U.S. company uh, margin. So you started this experiment when? Uh, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Have you gone yeah. back to them and said, you, you, Uncle, you got enough? Uh, no, no. No. We're. How long will this go on for? I don't know. You know, we're, we're assessing uh, other possible locations. Um, you know, there are actually quite a few that fit that same criteria where there is um, – Plenty of uh, competitors. And you feel like whatever uh, discomfort uh, your customers feel and, and some of – you're saying, you're saying, look, we're taking this theater away from you, but you're not, you're not going to notice it. Um, that may be true, but you hear the messaging, you hear, oh, yeah. they're, they're not working in AMC theaters. If I'm about to buy a MoviePass subscription, maybe I'm rethinking it. Like, oh, maybe you guys are going to go out of business. Yeah. Crushed. Yeah, I, that, that's true. The, and, and, it's and, a risky proposition for you. Yeah, it is risky. And, and by the way, we um, have no plans to increase the quantity of uh, AMC locations uh, or, or to decrease uh, the quantity of locations. All I'm saying is there's an awful lot. And I would love to sit down at a table and show the AMC folks how we can be 
great partners and drive more business into their uh, locations. We were partners with them for two years. The previous CEO knows exactly just how positive we can be for their business. And and so, uh, you know, we would just, we would love to, our customers want to go to AMCs. We want to work with AMC. But at the same time, you know, you can't keep get, giving millions and millions of dollars a week uh, to an entity who says over and over again how, uh, yeah, we're happy to take your money, but we're never going to share in that uh, increased profit with you. I mean, from the movie theater's perspective, they're already facing the sort of structural problem, right? People mm-hmm. are spending more time watching Netflix yeah. shows. There's this constant discussion of, are they going to shorten the window and mm-hmm. decrease uh, the t- amount of time you even have to see a movie in a theater. You're fighting off all of that. Mm-hmm. You come in from the other side saying, we'd like to participate in your business and we'd like to help uh, you know, insert ourselves in between you and your customer. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it'll be good for you. You can imagine their their reluctance to see you as as a friend. Yeah, but to me, that's illogical. We it, it, So it all comes down to whether you believe us or not. So if, if a business um, came in to you and said, I can double the amount of people that listen to your bod- podcast, and I want a small percentage of the increased advertising revenue that you get, um, would you tell them to go away? I'll never share any increased profit with you. That's essentially what they're saying to us. We double the amount of times their uh, customers go to AMCs. We more than double the amount of concessions they buy every time they go, and that is increased profit. I like the the more audience. I like being able to sell more ads. I can see giving you a cut. Mm -hmm. If you're going to like, yeah, I mean, I'm already being. This is already an issue for media companies, right? Mm-hmm. Who's mediating us? Who's distributing yeah. us? Who's who's? What platform are we dependent on? So yeah. now, if, if I got an, in, another middleman wants to insert themselves between me and the audience, right? That's the question I have because, by the way, you're going to increase that take over time. Yeah, and that's that's you know the problem. Um, you always find that the big uh, incumbent players are thinking more about protecting their current business. You know, we can't possibly lower the price and make the deal better. Um, and meanwhile, you know, the whole, you know, consumers have changed dramatically. People who are under 35 grew up with subscription and they think about consuming entertainment in a much different way than this a la carte transact. You know, theaters are the only business that hasn't evolved in the entertainment space to at least offering options. And so, you know, unfortunately, uh, these guys are very old school. They're trying to protect their current business. They want to maintain higher prices, and yet they have no plan, you know, for what's in the future. Do we just keep every year raising prices? What happens when it's $30? You know, they've shown that they don't have a solution to get you more people back into the theaters. They tried, you know, more comfortable seating, different food, and that's helping. But MoviePass is the only thing out there that actually doubles, mil- you know, doubles the frequency of millions and millions of subscribers. You talk about disruption. You worked at Netflix and then later Redbox. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn from those two experiences? You, you were what was your title at Netflix? I was uh, the VP of uh, Business Development and Strategic Alliances. And this was as they were sort of like moving into streaming, right? Uh, no, this was at the. I was, was there early, at the beginning, early days. I was there from ninety eight to two thousand three. And you got stock. Oh uh, yeah. So you, you a lot. You don't need to work. That's uh, good. That's what I keep telling myself. But. And, uh, and then at Redbox, I was uh, COO and president. 
uh, for eight years and grew it from six kiosks. Uh, the year I left, we did a billion and a half in revenue and threw off $300 million in, 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 in cash flow. And by the way, we had the exact same thing from Blockbuster. Blockbuster said, don't look at these guys who are renting movies for a dollar a night. Keep coming to us and pay four fifty for the same movie. And people said, oh, there's no way these guys can afford to rent the same movie for a buck. So besides having a general sort of enthusiasm for things that people look at from the outside and say, it doesn't make any sense, that's mm-hmm. not going to work, what else did you learn working at those two companies that's applicable to, to this job? Yeah, the real, there, there was really two keys. Uh, the first one is if you, as a, if you as a customer know that there's a different way to do don't don't take for granted that the way it's been done in the past is the best way. Um, keep your eyes open to what consumers really want. So focus on the consumer. Focus on what the customer wants. And in the Netflix days, you know, there was, it was pretty much an accepted practice that uh, if you had a video store and you were renting movies, you had to live off of late fees. And that was that was the that was the in the same way that the the gym model was. We don't expect you to come. We expect you to be stuck in financing this membership. That's mm-hmm. actually how we make our money. Mm-hmm. The movie rental business was based on you not returning the movie and paying outrageous fees. Yeah, it was 15 to 20% of the revenue, and it was almost all the profit. Um, and we took a look at it, and we said, you know what? The, it doesn't have to be that way. And by eliminating the late fees, we essentially removed all that anxiety of renting and thinking, oh, God, if I don't watch it tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to pay a late fee. And as a result, people started experimenting with films they never would have seen in any in a kind of an a la carte model. That's exactly what we're seeing at MoviePass. We're, we're eliminating or significantly reducing the anxiety of making a bad choice of going to the movies. Uh, you told me a good Reed Hastings story the last time I talked to you about about you were going to do same-day delivery? Uh, you, uh, we were going to do um, kiosks. Uh, it was, it was, was it was, the whole idea was you had figured out a local a local delivery model. Ah, uh, okay. And backed out of it. Yeah, we had— the whole story. Yeah, we had—so, um, you know, during the um, a la carte days, you know, because for— uh, 98 and 99, uh, we were renting movies for $4.99 for a, w- a weekly rental uh, plus a shipping uh, charge. And what we found is that the people who got the movies within one day, uh, that in those markets with a one-day uh, delivery, we had a significantly higher market share than all the other markets. So we were trying to figure out how do you get movies quickly to people. And there was really a couple different ways. One of the ways was to have a kiosk in, in your local grocery store where you could just pick them up and, and return them. And that became Redbox. And, and we called that Netflix Express, but it was a um, kind of a stealth uh, side business that we ultimately closed um, because the, it was shortly after we went public in 2002. And we got word that analysts had kind of heard about this and thought we were going backwards to the physical world instead of forward. You know, the valuation was was pretty much uh, built upon going they to a digital future. They wanted you to be future. the internet company, not yeah. a not a, and not a rental company, not a physical location company. Yeah. And that was something that Reed Hastings sort of figured out. And- yeah, he, he he basically, I mean, you know, the guy is a genius when it comes to manage, you know, focus, which is really the second thing I learned is, is you've got to focus on the one thing you can do better than anybody else. And in um, Netflix's case, it was having the biggest 
inventory um, delivered at the fastest speed. And, um, and so, you know, he, he was a genius in keeping everybody laser-focused uh, on that. You mentioned this earlier. This is not a company you founded. You came no. in later. Um, it had founders. It had a different business plan. It had mm-hmm. pottered around for a while. How did you come to this company? Yeah, early on, you know, so it's, it's uh, I think this is my uh, third participation in MoviePass. So early on after I left uh, Redbox, uh, a friend of mine, Tony Conrad, who's a partner at True Ventures in San Francisco. You've uh, interviewed uh, um, his partner oh, yeah. at True Ventures. So True was uh, both the C in the, both the seed and the A round of investors for MoviePass. In, with uh, that original business plan. Yeah, back in 2011. Uh, yeah. And uh, and they tried all kinds of prices, by the way, 25, 35, 45, et cetera. And Tony thought uh, uh, I, sh- I would make a great advisor to both Stacy and Hamei, who are the co-founders. Uh, Stacy's here in New York and Hamei is in California. And so at the time, I was doing um, advising and consulting of companies along with Mark Randolph, who's, one of, who's really the founder of Netflix. He's the guy who really came, had the idea. So we started advising uh, the MoviePass folks, and it was pretty clear to us uh, right off the bat that this needed to be a mass market product and 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 get to at least a 1995 uh, price point or lower. You looked at it early on and said, "This business you have will not work." And we we essentially said, to for it to be fun. You needed to make it big, and to get big, you had to go beyond the moviegoer who goes a lot. You needed to get to a broader audience, because uh, for us, it was you know when you're when you're helping millions of subscribers, it's a lot more fun than hundreds of thousands. So we we advised uh, the two founders for about six or eight months in 2012, and at the end of about six months, uh, we realized that we weren't making a lot of headway. And so, Headway, you know, convincing get, the yeah, convincing you know, because it's a tough, it's a tough decision. It, because you start a business, you think you have a great idea. These guys coming from the outside say, no, 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 you got to scale it up, make right. it bigger, and you go, no, no, yeah, back off. So we're used to uh, you know people pushing back on our ideas, but you know we were looking for things that would be fun and interesting, and so we walked away, and and uh, about uh, a year later, uh, got drawn back in by one of their investors who uh, wanted us to uh, help them uh, with some ideas with the company. Uh, That fell apart uh, as well. And then in January of 2016, uh, I met Chris Kelly, uh, a former chief privacy officer at Facebook. He had become the major shareholder in the meantime. And uh, he and I met at Sundance, uh, totally hit it off, saw, you know, saw eye to eye on the opportunity of making it more a mass uh, market product. And, uh, and then I invested shortly after that and came in as CEO in June of 2016, June or July. So you're someone who comes in and says, I'm, I'm going to put up money mm-hmm. and I'm also going to take over the company and we're also going to change the direction of the company. And the founders that at that time say, great, or we don't like this idea, but we can't say no. How does that happen? How, uh, how, does, that, how does that discussion go? Yeah, th- those kind of discussions are, you know, can run the gamut um, depending on the founder and their receptivity. And, of course, you know, the, you know, no one gets into that situation if you're doing great. Um, and so you've been at it for five or six years. It's not working. Yeah, just, you know, plugging along and not making – you know, they had grown. They had grown – uh, to about nine million in revenue, uh, but uh, they constantly needed cash, 
And so, you know, they're they were actually very receptive, very positive. Uh, of course, they had known me through several iterations uh, over the uh, previous couple years, I guess four years. And so they were just super positive and, and receptive. You know, but in reality, no one, you know, I've, I've been in that position before in the past. And, you know, it's not the greatest uh, uh, feeling when s someone who, you know, hasn't paid their dues in that particular company comes in and thinks they know everything. And again, it's something that they put in their time and their money, and it's enormous work to, yeah. to start and it's run their a baby. like this and their baby. And, yeah. and it, the, them allowing you to come in is in some ways a concession, mm -hmm. right? Saying it's not working. We yeah. need to do something different. Yeah. Yeah, they were very positive about and are that. Are they still involved in the company? Uh, no, they are as advisors, and and um, uh, they, you know, I get uh, some great input from them, and they actually developed a pretty amazing uh, infrastructure to be able to make this work. When you come in and you you take over a company like this, and you you, you it's basically a pivot. Mm -hmm. Do you have to sort of? Think about the DNA of the company, the existing employees, and, and how you're going to reorient them, or you just bring in all new people? You Well, in this, I think you can do it in lots of different ways. In this scenario, uh, you know, it was, I don't think anything other than a few consultants uh, who were out in California uh, uh, left. It's a it, it was everybody. Left. Everyone stayed. Everybody stayed. And, uh, you know, we were only nine people. And so we added uh, one or two people over the course of the first year, um, you know, because we were still small. We were mostly uh, experimenting, you know, testing, testing different price plans. I tried a, a $99 plan that included IMAX, uh, uh, did a $14.95 plan, tried all kinds of things. So for the first year... Uh, you know, I think we brought on two or three people and then just tested like crazy until we were ready to, to roll out the, the 995 plan. So you said uh, earlier incarnation of the, the company had $9 million in revenue, but they kept having to get money. You've mm -hmm. got a business plan that requires you to go back and get more funding periodically, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're recording this early February. The stock markets are in a nosedive. Mm -hmm. Things look sort of wobbly. Yeah. Um, at least in media world, you hear people saying it's going to be very difficult to raise money. Are you at all concerned that you're going to go back to the well and at some point someone's going to say, no, no, we're going to stop funding the, the money-losing enterprise. We're done with that. We have, um, you know, we have a really, really uh, potentially big business. There hasn't been, you know, we, we've grown faster than Spotify. Uh, we're the fastest growing entertainment uh, service and with no free, free trials. It's pay, everybody's paying. And so uh, there's a lot of interest at many different levels from media companies to studios uh, to huge um, uh, organizations that that want to be affiliated with us. So we have lots of options at this point, and we have a uh, deep-pocketed uh, backer uh, that uh, is prepared to fund us all the way. Is there an ancillary business where you also figure out my babysitter situation? Because mm -hmm. all the other reasons that I have for not going to movies, it's really expensive to see a movie in New York, but yeah. it, the ticket price is the smallest part of it, right? right. It's, Everything else that's involved, and if you lived in a different city, it'd be parking as well. Yep. Um, is there are, are there add-on businesses you can you can layer on here? Yeah. The um, besides the uh, you know marketing on behalf of the studios, uh, I always look at uh, going to the movies as as a centerpiece to a night out or a day out. And you know you might uh, you need a babysitter, you might take a lift to get there, uh, you might go to dinner or have some drinks. And we want to build out that we kind of want to evolve from 
let's say, orbits for the movie theater to open table for the movie theater. So um, we know, you know, we know which movies you might like. We know where you are. We could suggest, hey, there's a great restaurant, you know, hey, in a in two hours, a great movie is starting at um, the AMC Theater. Um, you know, we there's a great restaurant across the street. Uh, use our card, use our payment system and get a free appetizer and then click here to get the tickets. So we think we can build out a whole ecosystem around um, and, of course, include uh, uh, babysitting uh, through one of the services, um, you know, care or one of those others. All right. Well, when you figure out the babysitting component, let me know and I, okay. I will sign up. Okay. Uh, Mitch, great to talk to you. Thank you. Colin, I hope we, we, uh, we scratch whatever intellectual itch you had. Thanks to you guys for listening. A uh, reminder that you can hear conversations just like this in person. At Code Media next week, go to recode.net. You'll learn more about it. And for people who aren't coming, stay put. We'll bring some of it to you. If you are someone who likes this show, it's free. You're welcome. All we ask is that you tell someone else about it. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can tweet Facebook. You can wear a sandwich board. Um, Mitch is smiling because he does not need to advertise his awesome service. He just people just tell each other about it. See, that's what I want you to do. Thank you to our sponsors. Thanks to Cadence 13 and Fox Media who bring those sponsors to you. Thanks to Joel Robbie who edits this show and my producers, Golda Arthur and Eric Johnson. This is Recode Media. I am back next week. See you then.